I'm so excited to see every single one of you. What an amazing summer it has been. We're going to start off this morning with a little crowd participation. Are you guys ready for that? All right. This morning, I have this really important question. This question is, what did you want to be when you grew up? All right, so shout them out. What did you want to be when you grew up? Happy. Say it a little louder. A teacher. Come on. A baseball player. I need some more. An NBA player, okay. Nobody else? Say it again. A millionaire. Anybody else have one? A forester. Well, that's unique. Very cool. All right. So for me, oh, go ahead. A ninja. All right. I can go with ninja when you grow up. All right. So still holding out that hope to be a ninja. All right. When I was a little girl, I wanted to be a professional singer. Yes, at the age of four, I created tickets for my whole family to watch on the hearth of our fireplace my very first performance. And so this was my dream, to be a singer. I loved to sing. I thought I could carry a tune. It was something I wanted. And so I continued with that dream, and I sang in every choir possible. I did little duets and things like that in my small church. I wanted to be a singer. So I graduated from the hearth and the fireplace to singing at the top of my lungs, at the top of the stairs. And I grew up in the 80s and 90s, and so back then in the church, Sandy Patty was the thing, and so I would sing, let there be praise at the top of my lungs, at the top of the stairs in my house, and so my parents, they were kind of supportive (laughs) until they asked me to move into my room, and I still blared that music loud because I thought I was going to be a singer. And so my parents, supporting that dream, they decided to get me some piano lessons, thinking she can read music, you know, this might help her process in fulfilling this dream. And so I did. I took piano lessons for a few years. And what we discovered is that I was not made to be a professional singer. I love to sing. It makes me happy to sing. But it was not my calling After I had this idea of letting go of that um, professional singer dream at the age of four, five, six, and seven, I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a teacher so much that I would gather all of my sisters, I would gather the whole neighborhood, and we would play school. So we played school, I would create activities, I'd even grade their papers. We would do art projects at the picnic table, I'd make up these games, and we would play school. I loved it. I loved getting to know how they learned. I loved sharing something that I knew and letting them know about it. I loved delegating. 
My little classroom in the neighborhood was a team. They each had a job. It was beautiful. I loved playing school. I wanted to be a teacher. Now, we have a son, Ivan and I. His name is Samuel. He's seven years old, and his dream is to be an animal researcher. He's got a plan. He wants to own 27 dogs at some point. He wants to one day go to university. He's thinking about the University of Guelph. Yes, I know that he's only seven, but he found out that they have an amazing animal science program. And so he has all these ideas of what it would be to care for animals, to learn more about them. And so this is his dream right now at the age of seven. He loves animals so much that he prays for them. He thanks God for the coyotes. He thanks God for the birds. He thanks God for the dogs and cats. And he includes the fact, even though dad's allergic, he loves animals. Now, I share these two examples with you this morning to refresh your memory. Last week, we talked about purpose. We talked about that God has designed each and every one of us with a purpose. He's given us different interests. He's given us each a gift, a specific gift, a gift that he's designed to point other people to Jesus. Pointing people to, to Jesus does not mean you work in a church. Pointing people to Jesus means using the things that God has given you to show them his love, to introduce them to the person that Jesus is. And so this summer, we've been exploring this series I'll be the judge of that, a summer study through the book of Judges. Just a few days ago, I overheard this conversation between two of our Sea Road boys. I was hanging back a little bit. They were walking ahead of me, and one of them said to the other, hey, what's your favorite part of the Bible? Like, what's your favorite story? And one replied, David. David and Goliath, I love it because it shows God's strength with a kid. And the other guy, he said, you know what? My favorite part is judges. And I got a little closer because I thought, really? And so I got closer to hear a little more. And he said, I love judges because, you know, God's people, they mess up a lot. And God sends them someone to help them get on the right track. He sends them a judge. And you know what? They mess up again. And he sends them another judge. And he said, the reason that I like that is because God keeps giving us chances. And so what an amazing recap of this summer study of that God keeps giving us chances. Now, the book of Judges, Judges is just that, a summary of the failures on the part of God's people to trust his word and claim his power because that power belongs to them because they are his. In case you missed it, Pastor Jason introduced us to part one of Samson's life story. Now this story is filled with some incredible events, sometimes even a little weird. But Samson was chosen. He was chosen by God at birth. He was given this code that he had to live by, these vows that he was to keep. And he was set apart to begin the rescue plan for God's people. 
he learned, we learned that he was set apart with this unique gift, this gift of physical strength. The strength that he exhibited was designed to give witness to the power and strength of who God was, the God of the Hebrews. His strength in every battle, in every instance, wasn't designed to show who Samson was. It was designed to show who God was. Now, Samson, he knew God's calling for him. But more often than not, he was ruled by the things around him, the way he felt, the circumstances he was involved in, and he became distracted, giving in to temptation, giving in to sin, and he lost track of God's purpose. So many moments through Samson's story, we see that he's began to lose hope. We see that he's doubting that God even had a plan, and he stopped living. He just started surviving. He stopped living in the purpose that God had created for him. He became comfortable, pursuing only what pleased him and strategically ignoring the voice of God. We learned that we all have a purpose. We're created by a living God for a purpose. We each possess that gift that he's given us that's designed for us to give away. It's designed for us to share with the people around us. And Samson's life demonstrates that we live like God is with us. We're going to pick up in Judges, if you have your Bible, we're going to pick up in chapter 16, verse 23. If you go ahead and follow along with me. Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a, gr a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to celebrate saying, our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. When the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. While they are in high spirits, they shouted, bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and performed for them. When they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so I can lean up against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof, there would be about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me one, just once more. And let me, with one blow, get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two center pillars on each side of the temple, bracing himself against them, his right hand on one and his left hand on the other, so said, bracing himself, so said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus, 
He killed many more when he died than when he lived. Then his brothers and his father's whole family went down to get him. They brought him back and buried him between Zorah and Eshtol in the tomb of Manoah, his father. And he led Israel for 20 years. Samson was the judge, the leader, the ruler of the Israelites for 20 years. And here we see his final days. Samson, who once was strong and mighty and this example of the almighty God, now had become a joke to the Philistines, a sideshow, something for them to mock and laugh. And so the Philistines, they threw a party, they celebrated that Samson had been imprisoned. They met in this temple designed to worship their chief god. His name was Dagon. Dagon was given all the glory for this victory, but not the god of Israel. Samson, a man who the Philistines at one time not dare come near, not dare approach. He was led by only one guard, one single attendant, designed to give them a show, to entertain them, to celebrate the power of their God. You see, every judge, every prophet, every disciple has this same broken nature that you and I do. From the beginning to the end, the Bible is the story of the most unusual, unexpected, and somewhat ragtag and rebellious, disappointing disciples. But because the story is not about them, the stories of the judges of Israel, including Samson, and the stories of our own broken lives are merely a piece of this bigger story. The story of a God who redeems, restores, and uses everything for our good. Even the things we don't like to say out loud. Even the pain, even the grief. God uses that for good. A blogger, her name is Erin Davis. She uses this example that I think is just so brilliant. It's like a prism. When we hold Samson's story up to the light, looking for the truth of who God is, we see a God who rescues his people perfectly. You see, Samson loved an undeserving woman who eventually betrayed him. Jesus loves the bride of Christ. That's you and I, the church. Despite our long history, of running, to, running into the arms of other lovers, putting other things before our God, whether it's substances, if it's people, if it's money, the things that take the place of God in our lives. Samson was betrayed for just a few pieces of silver, and Jesus was betrayed for even a lower price. Samson was bound, he was humiliated, he was tortured, he lost his eyes, all at the hand of the Philistines. But Jesus, he endured an even worse experience for our sake. 
here we see that Samson's enemies, they actually, they threw a party a little too soon. The battle was not over. And so it must have been the day that Jesus died. He laid in that tomb lifeless. But just as Samson would rise again to bring down the temple, Jesus would rise again on the third day to bring down the power of sin and death in our lives. In verse 31, we see that Samson left a limited and actually scandalous legacy, but not Jesus. Jesus, he turned history upside down. He introduced a new way, a way of living that wasn't based on rules or customs or tradition, but it was based on loving your neighbor. It was based on living like people matter, stopping and listening to their stories, sharing time and possessions, helping the poor, building community, listening and encouraging one another in faith. Now we saw that Samson died among his enemies in a pile of ruin. Well, Jesus, he kept his promise. When his enemies tore down the temple, Jesus rebuilt it in just three days. We see Samson's life and we can identify him as this very flawed forerunner for Jesus himself. Our one and only savior. God's ultimate rescue plan for his people provides something far bigger than our minds can even fully grasp. It's Jesus. Because of him, sin and death have been defeated once and for all time. We're given an opportunity to live complete lives, full lives. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven. We get to live them right now, right here in our time on earth. We don't have to just live in survival mode. Sometimes when we are in situations, our survival default kicks in because it's what we know. It's oddly enough comfortable to us. And yet Jesus says, you don't have to live like that. We get stuck there. We're fear, we have a fear of moving ahead because we can't see that far in advance. Because of Jesus, we are made free. We're made free of the things that hold us back and we all have them. You might be able to think of one right now and you might not, but we all have things that are holding us back to be who God made us to be. And some of us, we're still a little comfortable in that spot. We're comfortable because it's familiar. Because of Jesus' death, things like pain, physical pain, emotional pain, Addiction, things that we use to take away our pain, substances, relationships, money, food. Things like abuse, whether we've been the abuser or we have experienced abuse, we stay in that place and we don't move forward. 
Because of Jesus, we get to move forward. Loneliness, anxiety, depression, these are all broken because of Jesus. When we accept Jesus as ours, and we ask and we accept his forgiveness, this is true. Within God's forgiveness dwells his power. That power that Samson demonstrated over and over and over, that's God's power. And in forgiveness, we have that power. And not just the power, but we have purpose. Live like God is with you. Pursuing God's dreams, God's desires, not our own. And then listening. We get this opportunity to live like Jesus is alive because Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead. He has plans for us. If you're like me, when you read this story, you can find yourself there. You can find yourself somewhere in the story of Samson, likely in a different place and maybe for different reasons. But I'm going to share with you over the last several weeks, I have been overwhelmed and inundated with distraction, like little disruptions, just annoying, and then some significant distractions making my heart heavy, filled with fear. Tapes of anxious thoughts and old lies running through my mind, causing me to doubt what God has for me and causing me a whole lot of frustration. I've been reading the story of Samson for weeks now and I bypassed the most important part until Thursday. Thursday, God showed me something I'm going to work really hard never to forget. I bypassed the connection between Samson's story and mine about distraction. I was in conversation with someone much wiser than I and God got my attention. I don't know if you've ever been in this situation where someone says something to you and it hits you in a way that makes you sit up straight, makes you lean in a little bit more to hear what they really said. That's what happened. This person asked me a question. They said, what if you just let go of the planning what if you just let go of the scheduling? What if you just listened to what God wanted to say to you? And so I leaned in close. And she gave me a moment, and I just in that moment asked God to say what he wanted to say to me. And he said, your strength, Desiree, your capacity, your ability, your gifts are my power. You have to trust me. Just like Samson, 
When he started to work in his own power, everything started to fall apart. He lost his focus. He couldn't remember what God wanted him to do. He relied on his own ability. So here I was, getting ready to talk about Samson, relying on my own ability to problem solve, my own ability to think ahead. Now, don't get me wrong. Planning and thinking ahead is valuable, but when it becomes the only thing, when it becomes the most important thing, when it becomes your God, we have to stop and listen to what God wants to tell us. And so rather than falling into this spiral of panic that can often come over me, I started to wonder, when did I stop believing that I could trust God? Like, when was that moment? When did I stop believing that the God who created all things, who sent Jesus to die for my sin, couldn't be trusted? So what about you? Where do you find yourself in the story of Samson? I'm going to give you just a few seconds to think because it helped me when someone gave me a moment to think. Where do you find yourself in the story of Samson? The thing we can learn from Samson is that if we are alive, you have purpose. Even at our lowest and amongst the chaos, God still speaks. If I'm feeling chaotic and distracted and all over the place, that is not of God. He still speaks. So here's what's true. He has a plan for each and every one of us. He wants to use us to point people to who Jesus is. He wants to use the things we're good at, that he made us good at, to point to Jesus. We simply need to stop and listen. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. I'm not a mind reader, but I can only imagine. Ah, oh, it's too late for me. I'm past my prime. I'm too old. I've done all that. No, it's not past your prime. If you are still alive, God is not done. There is something that God wants to do inside of you and then through you so that people can see his power, just like Samson. He was quite the spectacle. His strength was overpowering, but it wasn't about him. It was about his God. You might be thinking, okay, well, I didn't even graduate high school yet. Like, there's no way this is for me. Not true. You're not too young. God wants to use you. Or maybe you're saying, well, you know, I'm a male or I'm a female. That has nothing to do with what God wants to do in your life. It has no bearing over the call that he's put on you. 
God has created you. He has a plan for you. So no matter the number of times that you've run, because I can tell you many, like I'm gonna dodge that here. I'm gonna run over here. I'm gonna hide over here. Or if you've just straight up ignored God's voice. Or maybe it's just the times where you're so overwhelmed with distraction that you couldn't see clearly your purpose. You see, our purpose looks different in each of us, but our purpose is the same. It's to point people to who Jesus is because it is good news. We get to live like Jesus is alive because Jesus is alive. Last week, Pastor Jason challenged us to think through some of the things that are holding us back from taking next steps. Some of those things, whether it's our pain, whether it's our grief, whether it's addiction, whether it's a relationship that we need to figure out. He challenged us to identify those things. If you're here this morning or you weren't here last week or didn't get a chance to watch the message, there's still time. If God hasn't identified what that thing is that's holding you back, all you have to do is ask him. He can speak in the chaos. You know, we talked about these judges, and it wasn't about their story. It was about a bigger story. Each and every one of us have the opportunity to live like we're a part of a bigger story, the story of Jesus, that every person might be rescued from sin. Because the mission is this. The mission is that all might know him. That all might know him. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. That's a lot of people. And he need, God wants to use each and every one of us to share who Jesus is. It's our opportunity, just like Samson. It's our opportunity to redeem lost time. He made some mistakes. He even, in his death, accomplished more than he did in his life. But God gave him another opportunity. God keeps giving us opportunities. If you find yourself stuck, if you find yourself in that default mode of survival, where it feels like it's too scary to move forward, I'd love for you to consider, to consider stepping out, to consider trusting that God is strong enough, that it's his power, not yours. You can do that by finding community. You can do that in joining a small group. Just around the corner in the fall, we're launching brand new groups. It's an opportunity for you to get to know someone new, 
to encourage and inspire, to be encouraged, to share life with someone. Maybe it's helping in your neighborhood. In just a few weeks in Prescott, we have something called Our Closet to Yours. And this week, I know that they're sorting clothing. Maybe you could meet someone there. Maybe there's someone there that needs someone to listen to their story. Stopping and listening, even when it's inconvenient, is part of what God asks us to do in this new way of living. Maybe you just need to start praying or continue praying for someone. Or maybe it's following through with that three-name challenge and finding someone that you can pour into, someone that you can invest in. Take them out to lunch. Get to know them. See where God has brought them. I promise you won't regret it. If you are still living, God is not done. So as we move into our afternoon, the rest of our morning and into our afternoon, as we move into the week, as we move into this next season, as Sea Road, let's start living like we're part of a bigger story and that God's purpose is our focus. Will you join me as we pray? Father, I thank you for people like Samson, for people like Gideon, for people like Deborah. This week, would you, would you speak to us like you spoke to them? In this moment, would you prepare our hearts to hear from you? Would you clear our minds and our hearts from all distraction, helping us to focus on who you are and who you made us to be? Would you open our eyes? Would you open our hearts so that we can not only hear, but that we can really listen to what it is you want to tell us? Father, I am so thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful that he was the perfect redemption plan. I'm thank you that, thankful that he rescued us from sin, from all the things that hold us back from being who you designed us to be. Jesus took that from us. I'm so thankful. This week, Father, would you, would you stop us when we start to do things in our own strength? Would you, would you just put your hand on our shoulder and remind us that you are with us. We don't have to do it alone. We're not designed to do it alone. Would you give us a passion, 
a renewed energy, an excitement that we cannot hold on to. To find the way forward through our survival mode. No matter the cost, would you give us that motivation? Make us brave. Make us brave to step out and invest in someone else, to share our story, and to watch you work, to watch the power of Samson, the power of the resurrection work in front of us. You've given us that power. May we hold on to it and share it this week. In Jesus' name we pray.